Friends, um, I have some uh, personal news to share with you. Uh, recently, uh, I've been diagnosed with a strange hearing condition. Uh, I've, I've had a consult with Dr. Google, and, uh, and it seems that this condition is actually quite, quite common. It's, it's more common in, in men and in, than women. Um, it shows that it actually affects almost 100% of men at some point in their life. Uh, symptoms are often uh, noticed at a young age, but uh, they tend to become more clear into adulthood. So the symptoms, they're often noticed by women close to the male subjects initially, like our parents and, and, and their siblings. Um, but the research shows that symptoms appear to worsen, especially after their first few years of marriage. That's when I was diagnosed, see? So symptoms include uh, zoning out, uh, unnecessary conflict, and uh, sometimes banishment to the backyard. Hmm. Despite decades and centuries of research, th th there's been no cure found. You see, the illness diagnosed by my wife is called selective hearing impairment. See, when I was 16, my mum my said to me, Ivan, do the dishes, and then you can play at Xbox. And I proceeded to go to play my Xbox when she said, do the dishes first. Um, just last night, Vanessa asked me during dinner, uh, can you do the laundry tomorrow morning? And, and I replied, yeah, I'll have a Coke. What? Selective hearing impairment. It's a real thing. See, Jesus has something to say about hearing. Throughout his teachings, and uh, Jesus often uses this phrase or this line, whoever has ears, let them hear. What does that mean? He who has ears, let them hear. Everybody has ears. Everybody um, can hear unless they have some kind of hearing impairment. So what's the difference between having ears and having ears to hear? See, when Jesus says this, he is calling for those um, who hear to listen up and to pay close attention. Hearing is not simply a passive action. There, there, there is an active part of hearing. There is a degree of, tension, of attention acquired, required when hearing and listening properly. So Jesus' parable of the sower here in Matthew 13 starts with this call to hear, to truly listen. All people can hear, but only a few truly have ears to hear and understand. That leads to kingdom fruitfulness. See, parables like this can be familiar, right? Uh, it's easy to switch off, uh, to be selective in our hearing. But um, Jesus is calling us here to understand the word of God today. The parable talks about how different types of people hear the word, they hear the gospel, but their hearts do not always receive it. So as we come to the word today, we need to examine our hearts. Are our hearts soils that are like the hard or rocky ground? Or are we choked by the thorns of this life? What kind of soil are you? How about we pray, and then we might get more into the passage. Let's pray. Father, you have given us your word in parables to uh, reveal the mysteries of your kingdom. Help us now to be people who hear and understand what your word has to say. Open our hearts and shape us to be more like Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles with you, um, you might want to flip to chapter 13, because um, we're going to be spending most of our time in, in that parable in chapter 13. 
Uh, see, chapter 13 here in the book of Matthew is a turning point. Up until this point, Jesus has been teaching in the Jewish temples, but here in this passage, Jesus is moving away from the four walls of the temple um, and is beginning his teaching on a beach. So he's teaching outside of the doors of the temple, which means he's um, extending, he's extending his teaching to non-Jews, to, to maybe Gentiles who were also keen to hear about um, hear him speak. So now, in this passage, we're going to actually start in the middle in verse 10. Um, so if you're following on the outlines too, then uh, it's uh, point number one here, the purpose of parables. So the disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? See, the purpose of parables, firstly, the purpose of parables is to help people understand the kingdom of heaven. So in this parable, and elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus tells parables because he wants to help people understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven and how they might be saved. You might remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, maybe the parable of the prodigal son. See, Jesus uses these parables to help teach. They were vivid stories that would help his audiences to think and connect images and metaphors from ordinary life to truths Jesus wanted to teach in the spiritual life. So a classic definition of parables is that uh, they are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Secondly, Jesus uses parables to clearly divide those who hear and those who do not. So if you look at verse 13 to 16 here in this passage, it says this, uh, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see, Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their, with their, with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So you can see in these verses that Jesus divides his audiences into two sort of camps. There are those who hear but don't understand, and there are those who hear and do understand. The people who do not understand are those um, who have heard the message over and over and over again, yet do not truly understand the king things of the kingdom. So Jesus goes on to quote Isaiah saying that this people's heart has become calloused. Do you know what calluses are? Um, they're, they're like the, the hard, thickened skin that forms when, when, when the skin is exposed to repeated heat or repeated friction or pressure. Um, so if you look at uh, Ryan and Leanne's uh, hands, their CrossFit hands from all their lifting, you'll notice that they have pretty strong calluses on their hands. Um, so Jesus is saying that those who do not understand have calloused hearts. Their hearts have become closed, hard, and thickened against the Word of God. See, Jesus doesn't sugarcoat things when it comes to salvation and the kingdom of heaven. When he speaks, his words often sting a little. Um, and that's why uh, our series is called A Sting in the Tail. Jesus is always confronting. You're either with him or against him. You, um, are either, you either have a calloused heart or a soft heart. You're either soil that cultivates a seed 
or soil that doesn't. That there is no sitting on the fence. That's the effect of the gospel. So which camp are you in today? Are you totally with Jesus or are you trying to have your foot in both camps? With that in mind, let's have a look um, at the parable itself. So we're on to point two for those who are following. So remember that parables were earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, right? So, um, so there are a couple of elements in this story. Um, we have the sower, the seed, and the soil. So we're going to quickly run through um, who, what each of these elements sort of represent. So what do these elements represent? Okay, so um, the parable starts off introducing the sower, the farmer who is sowing his seed. Um, now, it's quite clear that the sower here is, um, is Jesus. Um, now, farmers in Jesus' day did not plant seeds in rows using tractors or by hand, like in this photo. Um, it's, they were, seed was actually sort of scattered by hand. It sort of reached into a bag, grab a handful and scatter it. Um, and, it was, and it was quite liberally thrown across the ground. Um, while this seemed like a very inefficient way of farming, um, this is actually what people knew at the time. So um, it's clear that the sower is Jesus and he sows the seed liberally, indiscriminately along all kinds of soils. Um, what about the seed? So the seed is the gospel message. It is the message of the kingdom that goes out, um, proclaiming that Jesus is the way to salvation uh, for those who would hear and understand. So the seed is the gospel which both saves the Christian and, and, and shapes the Christian as well. And um, the soils, what do the soils represent? The soils represent um, the hearts of different people. See, the seed falls on these four soils and out of it grow four different responses that people have to the message of the kingdom, the gospel. So we're going to spend most of our time uh, this afternoon looking at these four responses uh, that Jesus describes. Okay, so the first soil. The first soil is the footpath. Seed falls on the path, because, um, but because the dirt is so hard, the seed can't sink in. See, birds come and they eat up the seed because it's just sitting there on the hard ground. Um, it kind of reminds me like when you're in Bankstown and you're eating um, your, your pork roll and your banh mi and all the um, crispy um, red bits sort of fall on the ground and the ibises and pigeons come pretty much right up next to your feet and they try and just eat that off the floor. That's kind of like the hard ground that the seed is falling on. It's just sitting there um, and, the, and the birds come and eat it up. So what does this mean? What does this imagery mean? See, the beauty of this parable in particular is that Jesus actually gives us an explanation. So if you look down at verse 18, that's sort of where Jesus starts explaining the meaning of this parable. So, so verse 18 says, um, Listen then to what the parable of the soul means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So the first soil is the person who hears the message of the kingdom, but just isn't interested. They, they, they hear, which is great, but they don't get it. Their, their hearts are like cement footpaths where the seed lands, but there's no way for that seed to take root. They are hardened to the gospel. This is like the person described earlier whose heart is calloused. And as a result... We'll see, but not understand. We'll hear, but not perceive. Jesus says that Satan snatches up the word that they had heard 
And so the person continues on with their life, disinterested and unengaged by the word. They are never startled. They are never astonished by the gospel. Now, the second example is the seed that falls upon some rocks. Here, there is some, some soil for the seed to grow, but not enough for it to flourish. Since the soil is shallow, when it gets exposed to the heat of the sun, the plant, it withers and dies because the roots are not deep enough to sustain it. See, Jesus says in verse 20 that this seed, falling, that, that the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. See, the second soul is interesting. This is the, this is the person who hears the gospel and receives it with joy. There's a joyful response to what they have received. They are overjoyed about the kingdom, that forgiveness is found in Jesus for all of their sins, that, that Jesus was raised to death, that there's eternal life found in him. They, they come to church. They are excited to be in Christian community and to read the Bible. They're excited, and, and, and we too are excited that, that, they, that this person is, is, is coming to follow Jesus. Um, but over time, their faith is tested as they realize that the Christian life is costly. See, verse 21, Jesus says, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away. See, when Jesus calls someone to come and follow me, it is costly. There will be troubles. Jesus says that following him is like bearing a cross, which in essence is a picture of suffering and dying. He calls the believer to die to self-love, to, to self-indulgence and self-gratification, and instead to live to glorify God with all of their life. See, friends, there may be people listening here today whose hearts are like the rocky soil. Is that you today? You may have been to church your whole life. You may know how to speak Christianese. You know how church runs. You're here every Sunday. But your roots are shallow in understanding of the gospel. You've heard it all, but you may not have truly responded to Jesus and his call to follow him. Jesus says that the rocky soil describes a heart that has not, been, not truly been changed and transformed by the gospel. Now, the third soil sees seed fall among some thorns. It finds its root in the soil and it starts to grow. It is, it is good fertile soil that allows for growth because where weeds can grow, so too can seeds, right? But left unchecked, the weedy thorns outgrow the seed, stealing the nutrients from the soil and blocking the sunlight that would have allowed the seed to flourish. Yet the seed still lives. It, it perseveres in growing. It wants to bear fruit, but it remains unfruitful. See, when we get the chance, Vanessa and I, we, uh, we, we, we love to get out of the house and go into nature um, go on bushwalks. It helps us. I think that's still allowed even in the current lockdown. Um, it helps us to you know, clear the mind, get out exercising, and we actually get to see some pretty cool stuff when we're out and about. 
Um, so very often when walking through the bush, we see these, um, these flowers right here. I'm not sure if you've, you've ever seen these flowers as you've been uh, out walking before. Um, the, 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 so this is called the Lantana Camara plant. Um, and they're unique to us in Sydney, as they are mainly found along the east coast of Australia. Um, and they grow on these big green shrubby bushes all throughout the forest, and they are so strikingly beautiful with their pink and yellow and, and orange sort of colours. But did you know that um, as beautiful as these lantanas are, they are actually a type of weed. They are an invasive weed that, um, that are regarded as one of Australia's worst weeds. The reason why they are a problem is because they form this dense thicket. And given the right conditions, they release chemicals into the soil that prevent seed germination. And bit by bit, they take over the native bushland. So in the same way that this beautiful lantana flower or weed can take over the Aussie landscape, Jesus says that there are thorns that can choke the word from bearing fruit. So he explains in verse 22, that the third soil hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. What are the thorns that Jesus calls out here? It's interesting that he identifies them, that the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth are the thorns that choke the word of God. Isn't it amazing that the thorns Jesus named for his audience back then are so similar to what we see right now in Sydney? You know, I was at lunch with some high school mates the other day, and it's always great catching up with some of the old um, Sydney tech boys um, and their partners as well. Because um, we're all at this similar stage of life, sort of uh, almost 30, starting to think about, um, you know, getting, getting married, settling down. Um, there's... We're talking about buying SUVs. We used to talk about buying cars with horsepower. Uh, we're uh, trying to buy our first home in a crazy Sydney market. Uh, we're busy working, trying to get that deposit for our first home. Um, and we're thinking about how we can make financially wise decisions um, at this point in our life. Um, and I'm sure some of you older folk out there who are a few generations ahead are like, you're still a baby. It gets a lot harder. You know, once kids come along, once uh, you have to juggle school drop-off and kids' sport and family commitments, all while trying to hold a full-time job. Um, but you see, just in <laughs> your conversations with your friends and your family, that the Sydney person is constantly faced with fighting thorns of wealth and worry. But how is it that these thorns choke the gospel from bearing fruit in our life? How is it that these thorns choke the gospel from bearing fruit in our life? Friends, we are warned here that our hearts can be so easily deceived. Our world preaches that money is the goal of life. And this philosophy is screamed to us every day. Every ad break, every car, house and holiday commercial says, if you have money, your life will be full and worryless. And the world preaches that you worry because you don't have control. 
of your life. So eat this food, avoid that food, raise your kids this way because science says blah, invest your money in cryptocurrency, send your kids to this tutoring center to get ahead. And, and if you don't do those things, then you've lost it and you've failed. See, our hearts get deceived because instead of hearing the words of Jesus, we hear the wor- words of the world. Like a thorny weed, like a beautiful lantana plant, we can be enticed to love the worldly things so much that they creep up around our lives. And it's subtle. The world's pursuit of wealth and life's pleasures are so subtly deceiving. You know, we start saying yes to more overtime and we miss out on CG. We start getting obsessed over the next toy and the bigger house and our giving drops a bit. Um, The kids start going to tutoring on a Sunday instead of Sunday school. Now, the majority of the 24 hours given each day by God to be used to glorify Him and bear fruit begins to be filled with these thorns, these weeds that choke the gospel in our lives. Little by little, decision by decision, the pursuit of money and promotion and pleasure leaves less and less time for the things of God. We believe what the world says but lose sight of what the Word says. My friends, do you know what's at the heart of it? What's at the heart of our obsession of wealth and worry? See, the heart of it is the problem of idolatry. Deep down, we often don't believe that Jesus is enough to fulfill us, to satisfy us. And so we turn to these makeshift gods, these idols. See, American pastor Tim Keller says, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything that is so central and essential to your life that should you lose it or fail at it, your life would feel hardly worth living. Therefore, one can make anything into an idol. You see, when good things become God things, they become idols. And the sinful heart, our sinful hearts, they're quite naturally pulled to worship other things than God. Just like the lantana plant is native to Sydney, sin is very much native and at home in the human heart. Our hearts are often pulled to love worldly things more than we love God. And it's no wonder why Jesus says that the end result of this seed is unfruitful. Friends, this is a, this is a scary thing, right? This, this is where it should sting a little. That, that we might be people who have heard the gospel, who have let it take root, but have been so blinded by the worries of this world that we don't prioritize Jesus and are unfruitful. You still believe, but your pursuits and your priorities in life reflect your heart's true desires. You know what? Maybe you, maybe you look back on your life and you say, remember when I was so on fire for Jesus? 
you know, I, I used to read my Bible all the time. Um, I used to share my faith so boldly. I used to pray big prayers and, and really believe it. I used to love meeting up with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, I remember when. But friends, what happened? You know, what, what changed? Have the thorns of this life choked you from being fruitful? See, friends, Jesus didn't tell us this parable to make us proud. No. He spoke it to warn us and to humble us so that we will call out to him, Lord, by your grace, make me the good soil. So finally, the the seeds, they fall upon the good soil. It sinks in, it grows deep roots, and over time, it produces fruit, a harvest of fruit for the sower to delight in. And Jesus says in verse 23 that the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. See, there's something different about this good soil, isn't there? See, the last three souls heard, but only this soil understands. This soil produces fruit. As opposed to the hard ground of the first and the second soil, the the good soil is soft and nutrient and fertile. This person's heart is not calloused. It is not shallow. There are no thorns hindering it or distracting the seed from being fruitful. The soil is cultivated to understand the Word of God and grow deep roots. And over time, this soil bears a harvest, a fully grown crop. See, the good soil describes the believer who understands the gospel and thus bears fruit for the kingdom. Unlike the hard soil, this person has been startled and shaken by the gospel. Their hard heart has been transformed by the Spirit of God to be soft and new, to be a soft and a new heart that lives in awe of Jesus. Unlike the rocky soil, the good soil describes someone who has counted the cost of following Christ. They are willing to listen. They are willing to suffer. They are willing to lay down their life for the sake of following Jesus. This person has tasted and seen the wonder of knowing God in the person of Jesus. And and like Paul, this person says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, unlike the thorny soil, this person seeks first the kingdom in their life. Their schedule, their priorities, and their pursuits are God-centered. But they are not perfect. They still struggle with sin. They know that their default nature is to be self-sufficient. But they know that this is why they need Jesus every day. There is a reliance on Christ instead of self to help them in their messiness, in their worry, in their work. Their whole life is purposed to worship God and to bring Him glory. So friends, as you examine your heart today, which soil are you? The good soil fulfills the purpose of the sower, and that is to produce the harvest for the kingdom, to be fruitful. But what about you? 
Does anything need to change in your life for you to bear more fruit for the kingdom? Like we touched on before, you know, living in Sydney, we can just be so busy with everything, right? We, we, we are generally time poor people. Um, and because we are so busy with other stuff, um, building community and seeking deeper relationships with one another here in Bankstown Sweck, um, it can often be hard to do. And if we're honest, sometimes it can be toward the bottom of the to-do list. So a challenge or an application, I guess, that I want to um, pose to you is one of many, but it's, I just want to pose a challenge to you today. How, how are you making time for your church family? How are you making time for your church family? For, for some, of us, some of us, it might start by simply prioritizing coming to church dinners, you know, uh, ma- uh, making sure that work doesn't clash with CGs. And that's, that's great. Um, but how about outside of that? What if, we, um, what if we spent more of our spare time pursuing to build up the body of Christ? What if church wasn't just a 4 to 6 p.m. on a Sunday thing, but we, if we met up outside of church to be accountable to one another? To, to share about some of these daily thorns that threaten to choke us and to, and to pray for one another as, as we worry? What if we reminded each other of the gospel truths that compel us to live for the kingdom? See, my hope and prayer is that we might grow to be a people who do this, who hear and understand the gospel and by His Spirit, produce a harvest of fruit for the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, please grow and mature us to be a people who understand the richness of the gospel in more and more fullness each day. May the gospel of Jesus compel us to count the cost of following you, to repent and turn away from the thorns that choke us and to live to glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.